Welcome back to the 86 <laughs> No Filter Podcast, <laughs> where this week we're out of patience. Uh, I'm Nate, and I'm here with my friends, Daniel Botello. Hi, everyone. This is Sam Weiner here. What's up, guys? It's Cal Metz here. <laughs> uh, we are also very excited to have uh, a very special guest, uh, our first guest. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, how, is, how is everybody doing? How are you guys? Great. I'm fr- I'm freaking exhausted. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why are you so tired, Kyle? Um. Well. Uh. So last night I'm working on my sketch comedy, as one does. Uh. Just editing a rap video. Uh. By the way, everyone should check it out to the people in this room right now. <laughs> Every everyone at home also please check out Kyle's rap. So anyway, so here I am editing this video, and one of my coworkers, we'll call him Philip, uh, sends me a text, and he's like, "Yo, you want to come get a couch with me?" For my new place. And I'm like, you know, like I've moved couches before. I'm not the strongest guy, but like, sure, I'll help you out. Um, It'll take like an hour. I'm sure I'll get back to editing my video and then I'll get drunk at night. Like perfect, perfect plan. We go and get the couch, 30 minutes, boom, we're on, we're on schedule. We get to his apartment and this couch is too long to get into the, to get into the door. And so we try and go around another door. Too long? Yeah, like too like, it's not too wide to get through the door? I guess too wide. Okay. It's, I mean, it depends. It's a big difference between it, long yeah. and wide. It's you like, sounded like you like got like half the couch into the apartment, and then it was just sticking out the front okay, door, and you're was, like, shit. It was too wide. It was too wide. Okay. Um, anyway, it's too wide, but we're able to, like, we're manhandling this couch. We're pushing it through. We're shoving it around. It takes us three hours to get up three stories. Three hours. And we've, by, at this time, we've broken like an exit sign that was hanging from the top. <laughs> yeah, we broke a smoke detector. And finally, we get to the last door. All we have to do is just get it through this door. And we're in the hallway to get to his place. But we can't get through that hallway. And he's just sitting there like, I don't know what to do. His brother's there like, I don't know what to do. And I'm sitting there like, we should just break the goddamn couch, like for catharsis sake at this point. He <laughs> says, let's bring it down back down the stairs. We'll take the door off its hinges, and we'll try and squeeze it through that way. We take the door off its hinges, try and squeeze it through. That's a terrible plan. Yes, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't change the width of a door exactly. at all. Exactly, that's what I'm thinking. No, 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 it does if it's like, if you literally have like a half an inch. And that's what he thought. He thought that there was half an inch. Anyway, that doesn't work. Um, he <laughs> takes the couch and puts it like upside down, and is like, oh, if there's screws or something, I could just unscrew the couch, like take the couch apart before just bringing it back downstairs and figuring out something else. Take some of the couch apart. Doesn't work. We're sitting there for 30 minutes. At this point, we've gotten some beers because there's nothing else to do. Finally, we put the door back on its hinges. We take the couch down. It has now been four and a half hours. My arms are tired. I am, like, literally my forearms, I couldn't even lift them this morning. And then I went home, and I didn't even finish editing my video. So that rap video that we plugged? It does, you can't it see does it. Oh, no, 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 no. It exists now. Yeah, I, had it, he did I woke up this morning. Yeah. yeah. He, he did it in the morning. Yeah. I got uh, like four hours of sleep. I just want to go on record. Um, I feel like I just want to say thank you 
to Kyle because Philip asked me to move that couch two hours before that, and I told him no. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <shit>. oh. <laughs> Dude, it was literally like the I'm never moving a couch again. I'd rather just not have a couch than have to go through anything to move one. 86 couches. 86 couches. Uh, what about you, Sam? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I have a similar but not nearly as dramatic couch story. Uh, I was moving in. We just got a new leather couches at my apartment. And uh, we were moving. Last week, we had some rain here in uh, sunny Los Angeles. And uh, we had a similar situation where the couch was not fitting through the door but right when we took it outside it started pouring rain and then it was stuck on the banisters we're jamming it it, through the door while the rain is just pouring down um it did not take us that long it took us like 20 minutes but it was also pretty uh horrendous yeah the the the, it was a nice leather couch that now has a bunch of uh character as i like to call it little scratches and, and and some muddy spots um but uh yeah it wasn't as bad as as that Oh yeah, this was um, a five hundred dollar couch that is now probably worth twenty bucks after all the scratches <laughs> that we put onto it. Yeah, let alone the damage to the property and oh yeah, yeah and like the signs and stuff. and stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah, as apparently. Uh, yeah. You didn't have to move a couch. I didn't have to move a couch, so life is good. Um, the only new development, really, with me is uh, for the I'm taking a road trip in March uh, to play some music pretty much all over the country. Um, And so I booked my first official show. So I'm going to be playing March 15th uh, at Delano Wine Bar in Lake Charles, Louisiana. I really want to go with you. You heard that, Lake Charles. Be ready. I really want to go with you, and I'm thinking about it, but there's so many good shows that are being announced for March. I don't blame you. it's my birthday. One of them is Creeks at Delano Delano Wine Bar, March 15th. That's right. Uh, So if you're out there. Yeah. So for for more details or if you give a shit at all, um, follow me on Instagram at underscore Creeks underscore. Uh, I'm working on booking some more shows in Chicago and stuff like that. It's going to be a good time. So I'm feeling feeling pretty good about that. It's going to be fun. So yeah. That's uh, that's what's going on with old Daniel here. Good. Sounds like everybody is doing good for the most part. We're alive. I'm, We're I'm, here. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> that's how I am. I'm here. I'm doing all right. Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking about going back to school, which is big for me because I've always been very anti-school for a long time, but it's time for some changes. So. Are yeah, you going man. to school for podcast hosting? <laughs> Why would I need that? I'm He's I'm perfect. already I'm already an expert. <laughs> um, okay, but we're not here to talk about us, uh, and we also have a very special guest that I would like to introduce because she's sitting here uh, patiently and mm-hmm. very quietly, which is actually astounding if you know her. <laughs> um, uh, this is a very wonderful coworker of ours, uh, somebody who I met. She's actually the first person that I really like hung out with when I got to our spot. Uh, she's an awesome worker. Uh, and an awesome friend, which is not always what you get. Sure. Uh, she's also an excellent dancer. Uh, she has a long history of working in a restaurant. Her parents own and operate a restaurant. Uh, and she's here to kind of share some of her knowledge and experience with us. Uh, and that's my friend, Leslie. Hey, guys. Yay. What's up with you, Leslie? How are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you for asking. Um, just wrote out actually my first sketch. Um, I was originally doing a fun 
acting and dancing YouTube page with my best friend. It was called Andy and Andy. Shout out. Uh, now we're actually branching into doing some funny sketches, and we just wrote our first one, and hopefully it'll be up next week. So we're going to keep it on the Andy and Andy page to keep Andy and Andy alive, but it's just going to be plain old Leslie and Jeremy doing our thing. Is that on Instagram, YouTube, YouTube all of it? YouTube and deal? Instagram. Both, yeah. Right. I like that. Uh, big fan of your uh, Andy and Andy stuff. I think both you and Jeremy are super talented. So Thanks, man. I'm excited Appreciate to see that. that expand into other things. Um, but we have a couple topics that we want to talk about today. Um, some things that I think you are qualified to discuss um, along with most of us here as well. Um, so the first thing we really want to talk about is kind of restaurant hierarchy. Uh, and to kind of break down what that means, if that is not clear to anybody, um, it's kind of a weird word to use, I think, if you're not familiar. Yeah. Um, but there is kind of almost like a pyramid in the restaurant, as of most places have worked. You know, there's an entry-level position, and I think we can all agree that's hosting uh, kind of universally, even uh, for like some counter service places and stuff like that that have hosts. Uh, it's a very low yeah low Low stress i would say low i mean i i I, my thing with hosting is i think it's actually really important and i think the the issue that a lot of places have is that they think that they can get away with not caring about hosting really yeah i uh i started as a a host where we work and um i agree i agree that uh thank you it's directional it's a directional microphone um, yeah, I agree that, that there's maybe not as much emphasis placed, but that I think comes from the pay, you know, you can't expect to get good workers for, you know, minimum wage or slightly over that. Uh, I'm not, not bad workers, but you can't expect to have people like really like give it their all and, and kind of like take it seriously because they do manage the flow of the restaurant and kind of everything like starts with them. Uh, but you know, uh, when I was a host, you know, I, I busted my ass for like, a month just to show, show that I could, and then I was like, I'm not gonna like work hard for minimum wage. That's not yeah. how I roll. Not to mention, they're the ones that talk to the customers, the first and the last, in and out the right. door. And sometimes those customers also, are not happy. Yeah, pacing too of the restaurant also is something that come that starts at the host stand. So that's also very important. I found that most people that are confident enough to be, are competent enough to be really good hosts, are smart enough to not want to keep doing it that's um, perfect and it's point, and yeah. unfortunately like the most of the people that are okay either not to say that it's a bad job but usually the people that are good hosts that are that are still hosts it's like another job for them because they're because they have a real job and then they come in and they got they're getting some extra hours because they need the work or whatever um and you get good uh it's it's a good return for investment. Like it it doesn't require too much brain power. Like yeah, you get a little bit busy sometimes, but it's not like you got to deal with people, which of course is stressful. But that's just the way service is. Right. And but I also I also think that like speaking to restaurant hierarchy, I I only hosted for a very very like pff, maybe even just like a handful of shifts at like my first restaurant job. I was mainly a busser. But like, um, in terms of like the pyramid or the totem pole or whatever, I also think like what you mentioned, Sam, about like the minimum wage thing. It's also, I think, hard. I've always wondered this. I mean, you guys, some of you guys have been hosts, so you can tell me. I feel like another reason that hosting sucks sometimes is because you're getting, at a lot of places, at least especially like at the place we all work at, is you're getting paid minimum wage, you're doing a job that they 
I guess, ex- they, you know, they kind of expect you to bust your ass at so that they move you up, but it's hard to get motivated when you're doing this for no tips. You're getting hourly. Meanwhile, all your friends, if they're serving and bartending, you know, like if I have a good friend who's a host and I'm bartending, they go home with nothing. You know, they don't get tipped out. Whereas I'm walking with 250 bucks. You know what I mean? So it's like on top of my paycheck, which granted my paychecks aren't going to be as big as theirs, but it's like just in terms of like in the moment that night or that shift trying to, you know, hustle and, and go, go the extra mile and go above and beyond all those things that, you know, managers and supervisors would look for in someone that they want to move up to a higher position. Um, I've always felt like if I were in that position, it'd be hard for me to like buckle down and be like, yeah, I'm going to work extra hard when I'm, when I have no promise of when or how or, or when, you know, like when I'm going to get moved up, that's, there's no, it's just like this vague timeline. I totally agree with that. And that's where I started at the place that we work. I started as a host and most of the hosts even today just like have a book in front of them and they're just reading and those hosts stay hosts because like they're not showing that they want to be there, you know? Um, Oh, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt, but you know, you shouldn't be jealous at other people that can read. Hey, uh, <laughs> you know, you, wa- you walked into that one. I did, I did walk Hot take. That one. Kyle can't read. I cannot read. This is very true. Um, this is why I don't write my own sketches. I have someone even type the descriptions for my videos because I cannot read. But yes, no, reading or not reading, I would be doing something else if I was bored at hosting, but you have, yeah, you have to show that heart and that determination to be like, yo, I want no money and to have my feet hurt and to get yelled at by servers because I want to, I want to freaking make that money one day. That is, that just like spawned a question. I feel like this is a good question for Leslie. Um, cause I would assume, so your, your parents own a, a family owned restaurant in the East coast. Um, so I would assume that over the course of your life, you've done almost every job here or there, right? So speaking of like servers yelling at hosts, I know I'm def- I've definitely been guilty of this before. Um, so I, I'd be curious as you know, you've seen a lot of things. So how do you, how do you feel about, I feel like that's a very common thing. You know, I feel like you talk to a lot of servers and I was always like these, these fucking hosts, man. How do you feel about that now? Cause you've seen pretty much any and all angles of, of that quote unquote hierarchy. Yeah, I was actually going to jump on to Kyle and kind of touch base on that a little bit. Anyways, I think that if you are somebody that's trying to work your way up to make that money, you know, the tips and everything on top of your paycheck and that minimum wage, then it's on you to be on the manager. You know, it's like you've got to let them know you're interested because, you know, you can sit there and read your book and not give a crap. But like Kyle said, you're going to stay there. Um, and being that I started in such a small restaurant that was my parents, it's different when you get to those bigger restaurants because it's harder to see those people that are the small fish in the pond and see if they have the potential and maybe want to take the risk on letting them be the ones that are, you know, helping the floor. And I think that the hosts at most, you know, have to be the most patient mm-hmm. in the entire restaurant because they are the ones that are dealing with the people that are angry because they're hangry you know and it's like on top of that you know the servers like you were saying getting upset with them it's like you know it's their job to keep it moving because they've got the customers yelling at them but then you're gonna get the servers yelling at you because you're sitting them too fast so no matter what you're you're gonna be screwed and you have to be the patient person in that situation 
the what I also really want to know is so I'm assuming you probably hosted at some point in your life before you served. So even though you had known what it was like to be a host, have you ever yelled at a host as a server? I don't think that I've yelled at them directly. I think I just talk <laughs> crap behind <laughs> their back. Yeah. yeah, that's the way to go. Got caught. <laughs> <laughs> and then they probably didn't give you good seating after that. Nope. And yeah. I learned that, you know, if you want to make your money the fastest and, you know, most efficient way, that the host is actually the person you want on your side because they will give it to you when you're ready. And if you communicate it to them the best that you possibly can, then you're chilling. Being someone that is now training to be a server right now um, and coming from being a busser in an expo, I don't really deal with hosts at all. And during these last couple training shifts, I've been like going out there and being like, yo, what's up? Like, how we doing? Like, oh, your name is? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I thought your name was. Okay, just making sure. Nice. Gotta get that good good. Yeah. I generally, as a rule, don't learn host names <laughs> unless they've been there for a substantial amount of time or they make a reason for me to know their name. Like they actually care about their job. But those are the people that usually end up getting moved up or have already worked in a restaurant. Like I feel like at least for me, I can feel when somebody gets hired, I can feel if they're going to, if they're going to be a fit or not. Like there's, there are not, not necessarily with the people, but with, within the restaurant, if they're going to, if like, if that's their type of work and with a lot of hosts, I feel like it's like a, it's usually like a 50 to 60% chance that they, they just want something like, and so to go with what, like we were talking about for hierarchy, moving up, you've got hosts, right? Then, in, in our restaurant and in, in some places you have the expo or you have the to-go position, which is kind of like a midway point to serving, uh, lets you learn about the kitchen and things of that nature. I think it's very important. I think everybody should be trained for it and at least do a few days of it just because, you know, I, I equate working in a restaurant almost to like filmmaking, not like filmmaking, but to the way like a set works. Like there's a director but the director needs to know how everybody's job works and everybody else needs to know how everyone's job works in relation to them so that they can do their job. Sure. So I think having worked all those position makes you, makes you better at that. Definitely. So versatile so that you can be a team player when you're getting that Friday or Saturday night, like rush and everybody's a sinking ship and somebody has to help somebody else out. You got to know how to do everything. Sort of to take it uh, a little bit back, but what we're to kind of bridge the gap. Uh, so we talked about how in some restaurants, this isn't the case, but in our restaurant, hosts don't get tipped out um, and expos do. Why do we think that is? And do we think that's right? Because, you know, a lot of, you know, the theoretical reason for tipping is like the hospitality angle. And from that point of view, you'd think the host is more, uh, you know, important as far as like hospitality and dealing with people. And the expo's there doing a sort of mechanical job. Uh, Side note, Sam went from host, host to server. To server. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Being I'm, an expo. I'm trying to stir the pot a little yeah. bit. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. But Be like, this is, you know, it's pretty, con like I would say it's pretty common for hosts not to get tipped out. Well, this is the, here's, here. first of all, there's a, con there's a distinction here that's not being made. Hosts don't, some hosts get minimum. Most hosts don't get minimum. If they know sure. what they're doing and they've been there for a while, they're not getting minimum. But they're getting like 50 cents more or a dollar more. That either way, when you're an expo, you're getting minimum because it's a tip position. Right. Yeah. S second, it's not when I'm expoing and I'm getting tipped out, I'm not getting tipped out for my service to your tables. I'm getting tipped out for my service to you. 
So if that's, that's a, why it's if, your money. Yeah. That so you're if you want to tip the hosts for seating you tables, like, or for greeting, like I don't, I, th- I think hosting is important. I think it's maybe a little bit more difficult to actually do it right than some people give it credit for, but I don't think it's anywhere near the amount of work of expoing, even on a empty shift. It's, uh, it's like you, you just the, the prep work alone, let alone the knowledge that you have to have, I think requires more like compensation than a host, to be honest. I, I don't think, think there's, I think, uh, uh, going, going along with that point, I feel like, and maybe this is a little cynical or something, but, or, or oversimplified, but I feel like as, cause I've, like I said, I've, I was never in the host game. I was like, never, bus, in, the host game. never in that host game. So uh-huh. I was like bus expo, um, then server. And now I, now I serve in Barton, but, um, I feel like at the end of the day, as the server or bartender, I'm getting tipped out because of the service and the hospitality, my direct interaction with the guest, right? But if there was like, that's, I'd, let's say that's 90% of why that person's tipping me, right? So the other 10%, if I had to pick where it's coming from, I'm not going to think that they're going to go, this guy was really 90% of our experience was really great because of this bartender. And the other 10% was cause like when the host told us to go into the bar and that it was open seating, they were just like so nice about it. She like as asked oppo- me how my day was. Yeah. As opposed to like the service and everything was great. And also my meal was great and it came out right. And it was at the right time. It came out promptly. And, and that's on expo. That's on Buster. You know, like when I sat down at the bar, they immediately like cleared the plates away or like the bar was clean. Like what uh, that, uh, uh, are you saying that the busters actually clean the bar? Because that's hilarious. Hey, not at, not at our restaurant. Hey, hey, hey. Looking hey, at hey, you, hey. Kyle. Um, I clean the bar. Yeah, sure, Kyle. When anyway, I have time. Anyway, this isn't about you. <laughs> no, but you, I, I think, like I said, to speak to to the point that you're making, Nate, is like I feel like, you know, even though our spot has secret shops and, and there are things like that in restaurants, I feel like from a guest's point of view, they're they're gonna. What, what they're going to remember the most about an experience is probably, honestly, the food first. The food and the drinks first. Was my meal good? Because they're going into the, you're not going into the restaurant to like hang out with a cool server and like maybe we'll get a bite to eat. You well, know the, I mean? the like only you're going way. going in to eat food. The only way that they're going to be like thinking about the server first is if the server was terrible or if the host was right, just right. god or, awful. Or I think if, if I've had places, like I think we were talking about, um, like kind of thing, I think I mentioned in the first episode of like, uh, there have been places where I've really, really loved. I had a great experience there. And I think the first thing that I, th- like, uh, I mentioned when I, I went, I traveled to Portland, I went to Deschutes, uh, brewery there and I, I can remember the beers and I can remember like the appetizers we got. But I think the first thing I always think of is our bartender. Cause she was just so cool. And like the service was great. So, so it's possible. So, so getting back to like speaking on specifically hierarchy, like I want to talk about like the, the, so there's also within restaurant culture there's a certain expectations within that hierarchy right um you know bartenders get away with a little bit more and even then then there's seniority within like who gets the closing shifts and things of that nature um but also even just about promoting and so being someone who I, my previous experience, I was only at one place. I was there for years. I moved up basically when I wanted to, when I felt the time was right, uh, because I had been there long enough and I was doing a good job. Um, but then looking for a new job, I wanted to go and 
go into serving, but I wasn't able to get right back into serving. So I had to experience again, a new place of like trying to move up and stuff. Uh, then, I mean, I, I told you guys that I even like felt away because, you know, long story short, manage restaurants have to be managed. They have to have staff. They end up hiring other servers. And I'm like, well, what about me? What about me? Like, how do you guys feel about that? almost like that a little bit like entitlement of like time put in. And do you think that that should be rewarded? Do you think that the restaurant above all should, is what should be considered? Like it's tough, especially when you know, look, man, it's look, we're all learning. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I, uh, the first thing I think of when you ask that question, I feel like I want to know your, your opinion on that, Leslie, because like, again, you've gone, you've ran the gambit just from working with your mom and dad but also in in your time at the place that we've worked together, that we all work together, I feel like, cause you got hired after me and right now we do fairly the same stuff, but then you've even done some supervising. So I feel like you've already in a fairly short amount of time, you've seen a good deal of the, of the kind of quote unquote rank. You've worked a lot of different jobs just in the spot that we work at now. And you've only been there for what, three years? Three and a half? Not even two and a half. Wow. Um, I think a lot of that comes from working under my parents, though. And one thing my mom used to tell me when I was learning to serve under her was own up to your mistakes. And that comes from dealing with the customer specifically or dealing with a management you know, situation. Um, just always being honest because then they want to be able to count on you and they know that they can rely on your honesty in the situation. So I think that's huge. Um, I think when Nate is talking about putting in that time and, you know, whether, you know, you're going to really be able to count on putting in that time and energy and are they noticing and are they going to, you know, promote me within this company or help me become a server so I can make more money. It's like that does need to definitely be noticed and taken into account. But I think that in a management or a supervisor position, a lot of the time it's so much more about your hands on um, work ethic as opposed to like, hey man, I'm always picking up these shifts. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But are you the person I can count on for that like two hour rush where we are just getting our asses handed to us? So I think sometimes when uh, fellow employees are working their way up, it's like sometimes they can confuse, you know, I'm putting in all of this time with, but am I actually showing up and putting in the same work that I'm putting in every single day or am I hot and cold? And is it hard for that manager to count on me? And maybe that's where that's coming from. And management doesn't normally tell you. And that gets to be tough. So then, uh, to go along with that, another another question that came to mind, and I would also throw this to to Sam and Nate because I know you guys have talked about it as well. I've never really been in in, and I don't I don't know about this job for you, Kyle. Um, Dope. Yeah, let's get me included. I'm no, that's not. <laughs> um, but have you, Leslie? Have you ever been in a situation similar like what Nate's talking about? What Sam's touched on, where you're in a position, you want to move up, um, and you feel like you've kind of paid your dues, or you're in the process of paying your dues, and then you get quote unquote passed up. Has that happened to you? And if so, like, what what would you say to someone in that situation? And then that's like a sub question, like, if it keeps not happening, if they keep not moving up, when do you know it's time to maybe move on? You know what I mean? Because I know like Nate, you kind of went back and forth a little bit, and you're like, I'm gonna give it a little bit longer. I'm gonna keep bugging them. I want to serve. I want to serve. And now eventually, now you're serving. 
So it's like, has that happened to you? And, and if it did, how did you deal with that? How do you go about kind of gauging that situation in, in a restaurant to someone who might be in that same situation? It, it has happened once and um, it was actually in our place of work. It was, I actually had to kind of show the manager team that they were being caught in a little bit of a lie. And I didn't really want to do it that way. It didn't tell us that. It didn't. Yeah. Um, saucy. Uh, it was I've I had been telling them for a solid like four to six months that I was ready to train on bar and that I really wanted the opportunity to just be trained. I didn't even need regular shifts. I just wanted to learn so that I could pick them up and I could be that extra hand. And they kept kind of saying like, yes, 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 yes. But then never hearing anything about it. And then. I had heard through a lovely rumor grapevine because we have lots of those um, that we were getting a transfer from another restaurant for a bartender. And I was like, here I am telling you I don't even need a shift and I just want to be trained and you can't do that. But yet you can accept this transfer from another location. And I had already known that we had just gotten a transfer from a location maybe like three months prior to that that was a bartender and we were bringing that person in as a server because we didn't have room at the bar. So for me, I just called them out on it, not in a rude way, but I just said, Hey, you know, like I've been approaching you for this and I feel like I have put in my like time and energy and I'm just, I'm wondering like, are you passing me by or is this something that like, we can talk more about. Right. Kind of you know, like, not if, if there's ever... a problem, let me know. Don't exactly. just keep telling me, yeah, yeah, we'll move you up. Like, and and, and not, just yeah. confronting it. And then it, I think, you know, catching them in the lie a little bit of like, you know, just not saying anything was like a shocker. And then I think, you know, they kind of were like, okay, well, she is only asking to be trained. You know, she's not asking for all the shifts. So it's like, I can get her at least to that point. We can commit to that part of our word, you know? So that's where it's like, you have to have that communication though. Yeah. I mean, I think the issue is, I mean, first of all, we're in an industry of people really at the end of the day and not only that, but then you have to manage people and it's, it's hard to kind of like balance all that stuff at the same time. And I, I can, you know, to play devil's advocate, like I understand not wanting to train someone for something and then not be able to give them shifts. And then like, then it's like, oh, okay, here, have that. Well, I haven't done that in months, you know, like it's almost not even fair to them. And also too, I also under, I, there's sometimes you get cursed by, for being too good at some things. And I, you know, I, I don't really enjoy expoing, but I, I, I like to think I'm pretty good at it. And like, I am the kind of person that when I do something, I really try to do it the best that I can. I'm, I'm really competitive. Like I don't like to be middle of the road. Um, especially now, right now I'm trying to improve myself and stuff. Uh, so it, it just, I kind of see both sides and I know that like when you're a manager, you're put in a tough position because you have, you have to like like just one person alone is not to manage. Right. And you have to do their schedule and what are their needs and stuff. Plus all these other people. So I can, I kind of understand why it might take some prodding for them to keep like moving because you, when you have that many people, you kind of want to give people platitudes. It's like, okay, you're good. You're good now. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to go deal with all this other stuff over here. And then it's like, okay, well I'm not good anymore. Like until you go say something, it's not going to happen. And and that's the biggest issue that I have overall in restaurants. That's usually the issue with between coworkers, between customers, between managers, it's communication. It's always communication. And it's, it's just hard to communicate when you have to lead people. 
Yeah. Also, on that on this note, I think there's a lot of like status quo that it's just easier for managers to like keep things the way they are because the less things change, that's like the less they have to do as far as like juggling all these spinning plates. I do agree that it's a hard job, but it's also, you know, at the end of the day. I think that a lot of tension comes from the fact that it's like, Hey, there's a reason you're on salary. There's a reason like, you know, yeah, it sucks that you have all this stuff to do, but that's why it's called being a manager. Yeah. <laughs> um, you so, said like, yes I don't to have, this job. Yeah. I don't have like a, a ton of sympathy at times. And, and I, we have some managers that can be a little like self pitying and it's like, well, how, how are those like, you know, that 401k treating you? Um, how's that health insurance? Yeah. It's about, that's nice, huh? Um, my arm hurts and I can't go to the doctor. <laughs> um, but I, but I do think that that's the, the, the sort of pattern of having to bug them. It's not, uh, it's not because they don't, you know, they, they won't listen necessarily if they're good. Um, but it's that like, you just, you need to just get in their ear and make it, and make it easier for them to say yes and promote you and to get you out of their hair almost than it is for them to like have you keep in their, in their, uh, in their office every other week. I mean, I pretty much threatened to quit if I didn't get moved up to server. Um, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't in a bad way. It wasn't, it wasn't an ultimatum, but it was like, Hey, like I was hosting and I'm like, it's been great. Uh, I don't make enough money and I know you have a slot on server. So move me up or like, I got to look for another job. Well, um, something that my brother always told me is if you want to move up, you got to get someone to take your position. That's how he moved up from expo to server at his restaurant and that's why when there was a host becoming expo at our restaurant, I was like, I can't wait to train you because you're going to be the next me. Didn't get to train him. Doesn't matter. He's still going to be the next me because he has to be like, cause I don't want to. What you don't understand is you are the next me because I have been there twice as long as you. And I served for years and for some reason, you're a great worker. I understand why you're positive. I'm happy for you, but I'm like, why, why? Like I, you know I how, like... how long it took me. So no, you taking my place. Do you want me to tell you why? Cody's taking your place. Do you want me to tell you I, why? No, I know why. Yeah. I know why. Cause you're a morose black man. And right. a positive white boy. I know why. I know why. And I'm working on it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to train myself to think of my work as I'm getting paid to be there and be happy. Cause this is the problem. I am, I'm an extremely sensitive person. And in order to hide that, I act like an asshole to push people away because when I, how I feel, I can change a room with how I feel. It, it sucks because I don't get to be sad because if I'm sad, everyone else around, you can, there's like a cloud. You can like feel it. It sucks. And my bosses tell me that. And it's like, well, that doesn't make me feel happy. <laughs> so it doesn't help the problem. It's your so, fault. <laughs> Nate, you're bringing us down, man. We're going to have to have you so, just really give us a smile. So, so, okay. Well, well, and on the flip side, the silver lining is what comes at the same time is when I'm in a good mood, when I am jovial and I'm joking and I'm smiling, I, it, I can light up a room as well. So I just have to focus on that. And, and that's one of those things of where for a manager, it's hard for them to, to, to say like, yes, you've been doing this, you know what you're going to do. You, when you work, you work hard, but also you have bad days. So I get it. It just sucks. At the same time um, of what I'm saying, I know that you've been there longer than me and all that jazz um, and whatnot. Also, word of the day is jovial. Um, mm. but, shout, uh, out, shout out to jovial. But um, 
it's well, what I'm saying is that I'm training him to be me. Yeah. Like, like I'm looking at him and I know that you're a great worker for expo and whatnot. And I get that, but I'm like, Nate needed you're, but I'm you're like, gonna, you're, and you're going to be a really good server. Thank you for the much. He's going to be that. an adequate server. Nate and I are hugging right now. Um, but, but it's, you got to look at them and you got to be like, you're, you're everything that I'm doing, you have to do. Cause there's a reason why they're not moving you up right now. And it's because you're good at that job. So if I make you look literally like me, I'm out of here. I'm gone. And all the shifts that are going to me for expo are not going to go to you. And I'm going to be a server. And the beautiful part about that is that Kyle doesn't even know, but he's helping me out because I don't want to serve anymore. And, and so the more boom. servers we get, I just get to bartend. So, and then yeah, I'm going to take over like Patello's bartending shifts. You fucking wish. <laughs> uh, Sam and I are kind of stuck. And I guess, Leslie, you kind of are too. That, that's actually an interesting question that I'll ask you in like 30 seconds. But Sam and I are kind of stuck in that middle ground of like bartending half the time, serving half the time. And all we want to do is stay behind the bar. Um, but Leslie, you're, you're in that same boat. But I, I would be very surprised if you told me that you wanted to bartend full time. Yeah, you seem like, I mean, you're a much more bubbly personality. You like people more than Sam and I like people, really, probably. I like in serving, I can be absolutely ridiculous and then walk away from the table. I feel like sometimes at the bar, I get too stuck. You make an awkward joke and then you're stuck there talking yeah. to the person sitting next to them. And that sometimes to me like works. And sometimes I'm like, I want to do it two days in a row and then I want to serve instead. This is a good segue into uh, also the fact that you are a shift supervisor at our restaurant. Um, and for those of you that don't know, a shift supervisor is kind of like a manager light. They, they're, <laughs> they're hourly, um, but they are kind of like there to do the sort of troubleshooting as far as I understand it. And I might be wrong. You feel free to correct me. But like the kind of troubleshooting aspects with a little bit of housekeeping that a manager would do. Uh, but not as much in the sort of like back of house slash, you know, financial side of the manager game. It's more about that front of house, like personal side. Um, and yeah, it's a very interesting uh, position for us to talk about because it is sort of like a foot in each world. And as someone that serves, but also sometimes you're in this sort of supervisory role. Um, is that something you like doing or is that something you've just kind of found yourself doing? Um, it definitely started out... Um well, actually, when I first moved out here to the West Coast, I found myself supervising at a different restaurant before I came to this restaurant, and they were definitely just taking advantage of the fact that I said I would do it because I had manager experience from my parents' restaurant. Um, so I left that job. I actually was out of a job for a little over a month um, because wow, I just... Wow, a whole month? Yeah. <laughs> I've never been unemployed for longer than seven. <laughs> <laughs> Always, always unemployed until the unemployment checks run out. And then, oh, look, I got a job. I, I didn't even file for unemployment because I quit on the spot. Um, but I went and traveled a little bit and enjoyed it. And then when I came back and was applying for different restaurants, I actually kept getting my interview like uh, at the end of the interview, instead of telling me like they wanted me as a server, all the restaurants were asking me to be managers. Mm. And I actually was turning all of those down because I didn't want to manage. Mm -hmm. um, and so then at this, you know, restaurant that we're all at now, I worked my way up and they just needed extra hands during a super busy season. 
And I said, absolutely, but I do not want to be trained as a supervisor or a manager to ever be in a situation where that is going to be majority of my shifts. If you need me to help out every once in a while, the max I will do it for you is once a week because when I'm on the floor supervising, I just get to do everything and I get a little more power. And yeah, it's fun. Mm -hmm. But I definitely don't think that I would want to continue in that era in the industry at all. Speaking of power, since one of today's topics is hierarchy, um, and I, f- I feel like this is a very good question for you because, again, you've, you've, you've done it all, mostly, you know, um, apart from, like, being an actual manager. But I feel like... Uh, she just said she's an actual manager. I meant, like, at the restaurant like, we currently work at. Yeah, I'm on. sorry. If you're not going to speak into the mic, then don't talk. Uh, <laughs> the mic is pointed at me right now? Uh, so uh, I guess a, a, a kind of, like wrap-up question on this kind of first topic is for some of us that I mean most of us have worked multiple uh, positions at at multiple places that we work at did you feel in the moment I'll open this up to anybody did you feel in the moment as you're moving up like Kyle you're currently right now in the process of kind of taking that next step up do you feel that hierarchy and how much if at all do you kind of start to take advantage of it because like Nate and I have talked about this just like privately when you're busing and I, when I was a busser, all I wanted to do was be a server. Cause I was like, man, I don't have to do all this dirty work. And so even though as a server, you're like, Oh, I should help my busters out. Cause I know what it's like. I should pre bus at the same time. And back in my head, sometimes I'm like, I'm not going to fucking pre bus. It's not my job anymore. So like, then they're done that. Yeah. So, so do you feel that hierarchy in the moment when you're, when you're moving up and when you can kind of look back and go, Oh, I'm so glad I'm not doing that anymore. And if so, how and when and how often do you kind of use that to your advantage? That's a great question, Daniel. Thanks. <laughs> I think that all of you know me. Hopefully most of you listeners might relate to me, but I'm a overly positive person. And I find that the hierarchy part of it to me is if one person helps one person, then that person can help another person. And then the ripple just continues down the line or up the line. So I actually find that the hierarchy aspect for me is almost non-existent in my like terms of thinking about it because I want to consistently always just look at what's in front of me and say, is there something for me to do there? Just do it. Because no matter what, it's going to help somebody else out. And then maybe somewhere down the line, they're going to be able to do something else that's then going to help my flow later. So that's how I look at it. Well, I feel like on that note, uh, this is a good time. We're going to take a a slight little break and get a word from some sponsors. Yes, we we do have to pay the bills. So uh, I believe... uh, uh, Daniel, if you have a, if you've got an ad read for us, I do. Give me one second. I will pull it up for you. Very professional outfit yeah. that we are. Yeah. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening and staying tuned. Uh, we are ready with the, ad <laughs> thank you very much. Just... Oh, don't worry, Kyle. It's don't all, worry. Okay. It's, it's, it's all happening. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening to the 86 No Filter Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the host who just triple sat you after you told them you needed five minutes. Do you need a second to catch up? No problem. Oh, and tables 8, 10, and 11 all want waters. This episode of the 86 No Filter Podcast is also brought to you by Dirty Apron. 
uh, Dirty Apron is for everyone out there who lacks uh, a little bit of ranch, a little bit of ketchup, some kind of dishwasher water when you go home at night. Dirty Apron allows you to take that all home with you. Um, you never wash your Dirty Apron. That's Dirty Apron. Uh, go to DirtyApron.com to sign up now. And uh, if make, you sure, put make the, sure you use code 86. Yeah, if you put in the order 86, you'll get a free splash of buffalo sauce across your t-shirt. <laughs> Um, so yeah, if, if you do that, it really helps out the podcast. So we want to thank you guys for checking that out. Uh, and thanks for dirty apron for sponsoring us. We uh, really appreciate it. Thanks guys. And last, but certainly, certainly not least, uh, this episode of the 86 no filter podcast is brought to you by that coworker you're super close with, even though you never talk or see each other outside of your restaurant. Do you remember their last name after five years of working together? No. Will you help them when they call and say they need help getting rid of a body? You fucking know it. Friends forever. So uh, be sure to check us out, guys. Thanks so much to all of our sponsors. And uh, let's get back to the magic. If you're interested in in sponsoring our podcast, please uh, hit us up on Instagram or at our uh, Gmail at 86pod. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So uh, briefly, because I don't want to run too late, I do also want to talk about the difference between um, a mom and pop shop and like a corporate environment um for me personally i've only worked corporate uh i I did a few weeks at a place that was like transitioning to corporate and even the place we're at now is not as corporate as like chili's was um but it's still pretty they you know pretty pretty uh structured i would say and i would also say uh i mean sam you can probably attest to this as well because we've been there almost the same amount of time i definitely feel like in the I'm going on, it'll be four years in March. I feel like in those four years, it's gotten progressively more corporate and more structured and more, um, f- feels very limiting sometimes. It just didn't with the four years that we've been there. Uh, I think a lot of it, a lot of that, the feeling has to do with too, like the general managers that we've had. Uh, cause I think I, I would sort of push back and say that it's gone a little like up and down. Like we've had periods where the rules have been enforced more strictly and rules and times when the general manager has set a tone that's a more laissez-faire like kind of live and let live do it do what you want as long as you know you don't make a, a problem out of it so um yeah i would say that generally the trend is probably moving a little more towards corporate but having rules in place and enforcing those rules just like in a lot of other uh sort of uh social situations that is almost a bigger sort of uh factor in how i feel the um you know the corporate nature of our our place is because yeah if you have a gm that doesn't really care about the rules and just wants to show funny memes on his phone like it feels a lot less corporate even if maybe the overall like restaurant uh, the overall you know business that we work for is, is moving more in that direction i have worked at two mom and pop places and they were both way more strict than any of the corporate places i have worked because there's a lot more on the line, I feel, because they're like, if this restaurant shuts down, we're done. And they're the, the CEOs there, you know, the owner, like they're all working at that one place where like where we work, like the general manager is the main guy. And sometimes I'll have like a district manager come down or something. But, Those days suck. but yeah, right. <laughs> but these people at the mom and pop places are like breathing down your neck, like micromanaging you. That's why I'd love to know what you think, Leslie, because... I will never go to a mom and pop place again. 
Um, well, if you guys don't know, my parents' restaurant is in Middlebury, Vermont. If you're ever there, hit up Green Peppers Restaurant. Shout out. Shout out. Um, I definitely think that when you're at that mom and pop shop, it's like there's no downtime to just be like chilling for sure. Like, I don't definitely. know if it's ne- necessarily like more strict, but like I remember I would be in there like, oh, we're just going to be slow for like 30 minutes. Can't I just sit here? And he was like, no, go clean the windows or go exactly get yeah. this done go or this. The, or the chairs. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even know you could polish chairs. <laughs> for sure. You can. It's because um, you're a child. Kyle. Of course, you can polish chairs. It's a chair. It's a chair. Kyle, can you do me a favor? Can you reach under the table and polish my chair? <laughs> Damn it. No, so I definitely think that there is that sense of like it's their livelihood in a more extreme way. And they have a little bit more of that like authenticity to like what's getting done and how it's getting done. But I do agree with what Sam was saying about you know, the corporate end of the GM kind of bringing that in a little bit more because their attitude is what's actually filtering down through the staff and creating that like energy and environment for us. Um, And I think that when it comes to corporate versus mom and pop, it's happening in the same way. But that's where that difference is coming from. Like you're talking about is like that mom and pop shop, they're filtering down that they really care. At that corporate, the GM is more like, I'm here for my, you know, money and to make sure I'm getting done what I need to get done for this restaurant. And then sometimes a little bit more of that morale or like that fun aspect gets a little bit lost in it. And that's why you think corporate is more strict when really kind of ways different way. I think it, but I think even to like what Sam said, it, it, it definitely can fluctuate and it can go either way. Like for me, I definitely experienced... I was at Chili's for eight years, and when I first got hired there, our GM was the was the trainer for GMs in the area, so it was very strict. Everything was by the book, and Chili's has a book and a training and a code for everything. Um, and it it was. <laughs> I just I just a shout out to the Chili Code, the Knights of no Chili's. They follow us. We had a Olympics. Code of we chivalry. had Trainer Olympics. It was serious business. We got pins. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he was, he was our manager. He trained who ended up, um, GM who ended up being our, uh, who ended up taking over for him because he moved to Santa Clarita and that GM, great guy. He was that same laissez-faire meme on your videos, meme, meme videos on his phone, uh, super nerd, uh, great guy, but the culture changed. It was, it wasn't immediate, but it's definitely after a year you could tell like, it was much, much more relaxed. And then after that, I got another manager that after a few years of him, I got another manager that was super strict. So I had the ups and downs. Um, but there's definitely, I think you're onto something of that. You're much more invested when it's like, if we don't make what we need to make, we're, we're closing down. Uh, you don't have the safety net of, of like a environment. And I think that's why that's like a a positive, but it's also a negative because everything is so like, everything's got to be counted down to the penny and stuff. Like if you need to, in a, in a corporate environment, if you need like, you need more spoons, like it may, it might take a while, but they're going to, they're going to get you more spoons. You know what I mean? You're, you have that with that size and all that money and stuff comes some stability. So I think that's, the, the one kind of positive I would say I, I see what you're saying I feel like just to 
pose a different side of that idea out there. Um, kind of going off what you said, Liz, or maybe they're in some ways are really not that different at all because I definitely, obviously it's, it's very easy to understand uh, when you're the owner, you're the CEO, you're the, you're the person making the menu, you're hiring a chef, or maybe you're the chef yourself. Like that's your place. Obviously there's a lot of pressure to, to be successful because that's your livelihood. I feel like, and maybe this hasn't come up because none of us have been a GM, but I feel like that pressure, you're definitely right. If I'm a GM and I need, I need, I'm running out low on silverware or towels or something, I call corporate or I call my guy or whatever, they're going to take care of it for me, right? But at the same time, I feel like it's almost in a way possibly worse to be a GM than to be an owner because even though you might not have that safety net or that bailout, the buck stops with you. I, I, I almost feel like, and especially where we're talking about is like, a GM of a restaurant, of a corporate restaurant, reminds me of like a head football coach, right? Like if the program's not going well, they're not going to fire a player before they fire the coach. You know what I mean? Because they're saying, hey, you're supposed to be in charge of this. You know, like, so for a corporate chain, um, other restaurants are succeeding and yours is dipping. They're not going to say, oh, it's the location. Oh, it's because we don't have enough. Our happy hour is too short. They're going to go, you're a general manager. You're not doing your job. Something's wrong. you got to go or we're going to bring someone else. Who knows? You know? So I feel like uh, the pressure's similar but different. Um, and and I, I don't know which one I... I don't know which one I would prefer. Uh, quick question for Botello. Uh Have you ever seen Friday Night Lights? I would love for you to tell me how that it's all fucking relevant to this uh, conversation. Because that was just a sweet sports metaphor. Kill yourself. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this podcast don't, does not advocate don't kill suicide. yourself. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. I know you're. I know you want to. You go. You go. You, you got something on your mind. Uh, oh, I sort of lost it. Now I'm just thinking about Tammy Taylor. Um, <laughs> No, oh, oh, yeah. So I think it can be hard for a GM, kind of like what you're saying, because I don't think, like, yes, the buck stops with them, but also, like, there's been plenty of times where they don't have any, like, actual power. Like, if something is wrong, if we put, uh, you know, beer flights, which is the most annoying thing on the planet, on our happy hour and have them cost as much as a regular beer, and that's dumb, uh, they can't change it because they have to, there's corporate guidelines. And, they, you know, if if you know, we're getting all our business during happy hour and we shouldn't have them on Sunday or, you know, we don't have them on Sundays, but we shouldn't have them on certain days when we get slammed at five o'clock. They can't say, all right, well, it's stu- like the whole point of a happy hour is to get people in the door when they wouldn't otherwise come. And if these are our busiest hours, why are we doing a happy hour? Yeah, uh, They can't change anything. There's been plenty of, of situations where I'll have a, see a problem. Uh, one that comes to mind is bartenders having to, at our restaurant, they leave the bar to go greet tables and cocktail, which I, I don't think I've ever seen at another bar. Um, but the sort of word from on high from the corporate ladder is like, th- we want the bar patrons to feel like restaurant patrons. Um, and I think it's dumb because I think it slows down service at the bar for everybody. The patrons at the, at the tables, the patrons at the bar, the, the servers waiting for their drinks at the well, just slows it down. And I've never been to a bar where you don't just walk up to the bar and order your drinks or whatever. But uh, I know one of our one of our managers has multiple times raised that point with the corporate and there's nothing, I mean, this is what he tells me. I have no reason to think he's lying except for, you know, just but generic also, distrust I mean, of managers. Yeah. But. And it's that thing of like, he's got a boss and his boss has a boss and his boss has a boss too. And, and at least at our company, it probably kind of stops there. Maybe there's one more boss at Chili's. There was like four more bosses. And then, so it, it takes so long for decisions to be made. And also it's the ego thing of like, especially when you take it to like an area size, 
Well, it's like, well, it works fine over here at this store and this store and this store. So get your stuff together. Like, why do I need to change it? They, it, you, the, you're like describing these things that have to be experienced in order to be understand for standards to be set. And they're being decided by people who are never going to experience those things. You know, when you get corporate and you get larger, you get people that are working in offices that are making these decisions to go across and they're the going space. By numbers. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, they've worked in restaurants, of course, I hope, um, but yeah. not currently, not in, you know, and it, it's like what I said earlier, we work in a people business. That's why it's so tough to schedule. That's why it's so tough to make money nobody ever calls me or texts me your phone's me, been going off but the but god forbid like i try to tape something and now everybody wants to talk to me uh um yeah uh, i think uh go ahead you got something to say yeah um i was just gonna say i think a huge part of like the mom and pop versus corporate too has a huge like weighing decision on your location so like um, the location of the restaurant and how your traffic flow is coming in and then touching base on what Sam's saying. It's like, you know, if you're at a location where everybody is coming in at once because of a time of something getting out, maybe you're near an arena, maybe you're near maybe a sports center <laughs> and um, yeah. you just, you know, there's that's something that's like different at every location. Like that's just outside of like anybody's control and sometimes these decisions that could come from corporate don't have to be like okay every other restaurant might not need to change anything but our location specifically it's an outlier yeah is different so i think that sometimes that mom and pop like rush you know is similar like sometimes it all happens at once because everybody knows that the brunch at that spot is going to be the one and we're going to get in there between 12 and 2. So their two-hour rush is just all at once, and they're dead outside of that. Yeah, that's see, how they make their money. I'd be very curious to to see how, like, the first restaurant that came to mind is, like, a Yard House, because I know they have, like, they just opened one in Burbank, and I'm assuming it's doing pretty well. It's, like, downtown Burbank. It's around a bunch of other restaurants. But then they also have one at LA Live, like, right across the street from the Staples Center. So, but, and that's also, like, a huge corporate company. So on the one hand, I could see them going, like, nope, this is the way Yard House does our shit. On the other hand, I'd be really interested to go into the LA Live one and go, is there anything special in place for you guys for when those fucking Laker games get out or, you know, those Kings games or concerts or whatever the hell? There's the Grammy Museum right down there. It's like, it's like, There's always something. Yeah, happening. I'd be very curious to see. They're like, oh, yeah, we don't do happy hour on like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And like, you know, as opposed to the other one. My, I'm, I'm done work at house. I don't know. Um but yeah, just because I know there that are, are no flights or stuff. Yeah, something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Just because I know that at our spot, and what's very interesting for our spot too is because I feel like we are corporate, but we're not. You know, we're not Red Robin. We're not BJ's. We're not Yard House. We're we're. I mean, what we have we're ten, and, eleven yeah, store. So it's like we're not. There's definitely a corporate element to it, but it we're not. We're not even outside of uh, Southern California. You know what I mean? So. That's, that's, I think, going back to what you're saying, Sam, for me personally, that gets so fucking frustrating because it's like, okay, I get that we have 10 other restaurants, but we're spread out across like three counties and the restaurant we work in particular is very different from the, some of the other restaurants in the chain and they just don't, I feel like a lot of times take that into account, which is um, really, really annoying. And, and so I'd be very curious to, to, if you work at a corporate restaurant and you have different rules between different uh, restaurants, like message us because i'd, I'd just up, be very please. curious to to hear about that yard house if you work at la live yard house let me know how you guys do business down there Mike Taylor, shout out to Mike Taylor, where you are man <laughs> um 
anyway, but uh, a question I, I had, I, just to kind of shift gears a little bit, um, when Leslie, you were just talking earlier about mom and pop stuff, I'm just curious, and uh, like, how do you feel about longevity between corporate and mom and pop? Because, you know, on the one hand, there's mom and pop shops that are struggling, making ends meet, you know, restaurants shut down all the time. Restaurants are a very risky endeavor to kind of take, but then at the same time, I feel like you have mom and pop shops that, you know, have their family institutions. They've been there for decades, you know, multiple generations taking over. And then at the same time, I feel like there are, you know, corporate institutions that we forget about all the time that went under, you know, like I just mentioned Red Robin. I don't know how the fuck Red Robin's doing. I haven't heard of a Red Robin in like a decade, you know. I think they're I think they're still around, but um, but then you have BJ's, a place like BJ's where like, I can't imagine BJ's ever shutting down, man. Like they're popular. They're a go-to spot. They have bunches of locations like i can't imagine what would have to happen for bj's to go under you know so it's like just in terms of longevity is comparable to us are they outside of california oh yeah they're everywhere oh yeah they're everywhere are they they're not comparable to us they're okay (laughs) oh i didn't i thought they were only local bigger but yeah i'm just curious like what 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 are your thoughts on that especially working for both i i think something that i really kind of like loved hearing my dad talk about when I would ask him, you know, and I would take my business classes or whatever, and I'd be asking him questions about his business, how it got started, what his plan was for it. He actually, uh, him, his brother, and his dad bought out a corporate business is how they had started. And so they had uh, five restaurants through the state of Vermont. So they were a little bit corporate, like working their way to it, and then actually decided that they wanted to have more of the mom and pop shop. So they sold the corporate name, but then him and his brother opened two separate restaurants with the same recipes because they could take the recipes and started doing their mom and pop thing because it was like, well, we could do this, but then, you know, the next thing you know, it became like everything we were talking about. It became a whole other ball game. And they chose not to do that because they were like, we wanted to stay in a town and we wanted to settle down and not have to travel all around to make a corporate thing work because we were talking about those district managers. So I think that in terms of longevity, I think corporate has a really like awesome thumbs up game plan for it because they have the resources that they can like bring to the table and use like we were kind of talking about in the beginning. But I also think that mom and pops have a really like unique and sometimes better quality to them, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to food. You know, sometimes you notice something gets more corporate and the food quality just goes down. Sure, sure. Because you have to, you're trying to, you know, keep everything uniform. Um, I, I am also curious, because Kyle, you mentioned you're like, I would never go back to a mom and pop machine. Uh, I've never worked at a mom and pop. Have I don't know if you have, Sam. Uh, Nate, have you? No, so the closest the closest I got, um, I for a time before I was at uh, the place I'm at now, and when I was leaving Chili's, I worked for like six days at a panini shop. Mm. That was it. It they had just become a chain. It was a different panini shop that just got bought up by a different one. That just they just kind of changed it a little bit, but just kind of fit right. Apparently. and that was part of the reason why I left because it was so unorganized and chaotic and they wanted me because they were going in that direction and they wanted to use what I knew and stuff. Um, but they also hired me as a host mm. when they had servers 
that like I wouldn't even call them servers. Sure. Like because it was really like a counter service place that they were trying to make it be like a serve sit down restaurant service place. And so the service the servers were awful. Sure. They had like zero training. Um, so that's the closest that I got. Other than that, all of mine has really been corporate and it, there's definitely a big difference. I would, I, 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 even though our place is, is corporate, I hate to call it corporate because I guess maybe chain is a better way to describe sure. like Chili's because that like, it's really like literally they have conveyor belts in the kitchen, like and cook stuff with layers, lasers, like, Whoa. sorry to give give it away but <laughs> the kitchen of the you're future dude, you're ditching the code is, that's 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 how they do it man they pre-cook stuff yeah, and then you they just lost your chili it up with lasers pen, yeah uh, giving all my secrets away because <laughs> kyle didn't talk into the microphone he's, he's like, uh, but but the the question i was kind of leading into I, i'd be curious leslie since we know kyle's answer and the three of us have never worked for mom and pop if if um if a server out there is listening or, or asked you like which which would you recommend if they were like, hey, I'm thinking of applying to this corporate place, but then, you know, I know a friend who knows a friend who just works at mom and pop shop. He says it's really great. Like if you if you kind of had to give advice to a new server, maybe someone who, who wants to become a server or something like that, uh, what, what would your gut be to kind of where which way would you kind of steer them? Do you think um, if they had no serving experience? In my personal opinion and experience, I think that the corporate does a better job with training outlets. I think that they set it up so that it's done the same way. You know, kind of like what Nate was just saying about his panini shop is like mom and pop shops are great for people who are like actually trying to get into it in that mentality of like, okay, I'm going to be a server. Like I'm not really out here trying to do something else. You know, you might take it in a different way and a mom and pop shop might be your route to go. But if you're like, I'm just needing a job right now, definitely the corporate way is just an easier way to learn, especially if you've never done it before. That's my personal opinion on it, just from my experiences, for sure. I will also say that there is a red flag that can come up with those mom and pop shops, and Nate kind of mentioned it, is if it is just opening up. Because when I first got that job at the mom and pop shop, I had never served before. But they were looking for servers, and I was like, yeah, I've served before. And they're like, cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've done this job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm hella good. <laughs> Gave me two training shifts and whatnot, and then they threw me into the game. I handled it, but because they had just opened up like three months ago, they had nothing. They were I was being overworked. I was working like eight-hour shifts, like 40 hours a week, because they're just like trying to make ends meet. And they're like, oh, you're doing a good, a good job? Cool. We're going to keep overworking you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that that too, there's something to be said about corporations having HR departments. Like you, it's it's much, much harder for you to get mistreated or overworked. And then even like, I don't know if I told you guys this, but a few years ago, Chili's got sued for uh, the reason why you have to, that sign that comes up that to notify you of you waving your break every shift. That's because of the Chili's lawsuit because they weren't giving us the option of our break. Uh, so I got paid out from the settlement from that. Yeah. So that yeah. wouldn't have happened on a, in a smaller company. There's plenty of smaller places that are taking advantage of people, and that can be good for you sometimes. You know, I don't. I think Leslie said it perfectly. That's that would be my advice. If you're new to the restaurant industry, go to a chain, go to a corporate, learn from a, like a nice training structure where they're going to give you time to make sure you do it right and give you guidelines. Once you get into it, serving 
is really a it can be a career mm-hmm. um it's definitely a life skill i think uh it will teach you about dealing with people um once you get that down and you're like i really want to do restaurant stuff or if you do bartending at a chain place and that would be gr- i think once you decide that then i think it's better to find a mom and pop place now you got to find the right one and it's going to be hard and you're going to want to you're going to find a lot of bad ones where you're going to get taken advantage of but I think you, you have a bit better potential, especially for like a bartender, you have a better potential to make more money at like, especially if we're talking like bars and nightlife, not even just restaurants, like the places where it's just owned by the one guy and the owner. I think that place is going to, the right one is going to have more potential for you to make money and be successful than the right chain that is just going to kind of keep you and be, you know what I mean? Unless you're trying to do the management thing. Well, I think that uh, you know we we're using this sort of comparison between corporate and mom and pop. I think that mom and pop is somewhat of a misnomer, uh, or can be, especially like in LA, where like the restaurant scene is popping. And you kind of made the joke earlier, where like what's killing PJs the millennial industry. But I do think that, especially at least in LA and probably most other like urban centers, there's definitely a move away that from big chains and towards either like celebrity chef places or new concepts or like, you know, a lot of like restaurant groups will own, you know, maybe uh, six or seven different locations, but it's not all the same bar. It's like, it's a group. They have, you know, this spot, this spot, this spot. They're all owned by the same restaurant management group. Um, And I think that might be the sweet spot. I can't say for sure because I never really worked for one, but like kind of what you're talking about with like your higher earnings potential, those tend to be a lot like hipper and cooler. Um, and well, I, I mean, think those are the people that understand, like to go back to what we talked about earlier, those are the people that understand that each store needs attention for a specific thing. They get that because they're concepts. Right. So I think that's like what you said, it's like a great middle ground. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that as the industry is like changing, there are more, it's not just mom and pops. In fact, I would probably say there's like less mom and pops now than, than in the past. And then, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, generally agree. I think especially, yeah, if you don't have a lot of experience or you're trying to like learn new things about the restaurant industry, corporate is a great way to go because it's like relatively stable compared to the other ones. And also those kind of like homogenized guidelines. I'm going to give one last little um, note of advice. If you are going to go out for a mom and pop shop, maybe like go eat there or something a few times and observe, like actually sit and watch the employees and you know see some interactions just to get like a good gauge just like some good advice if you are going to go to the mom and pop shop you know yeah definitely i would agree with that i would i would say never go never go apply to a restaurant that you haven't eaten at like even if you just go and sit and have a meal by yourself and then when you leave ask for an application or something that i've done that many times and that's helped me in the interviews not that i got the job but i did that at I ate a few days before, and then I came in. And gentlemen, there it is. <laughs> oh. He did it in the first, in the first Sorry. episode. I got the, I got the time. I got the time, Sam. <laughs> For those who uh, might have just heard a bleep, we've been trying so hard not to give away where we work, and Nate of all people spilled the beans. Yeah, I'm so close. But we might so believe close. it out, so you might still not know. Um. But okay. You know where Leslie's so, parents work. So if you ever yeah, want to meet, <laughs> if you ever want to meet mean, Leslie's parents in Vermont, you can go check them out at Green. Peppers. It's just more fun if there's a bunch of clues than if I just. You know, just well, yeah, say the fun's it. over now. Yeah, so well, I'm gonna edit it. I'm gonna edit it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we're I think we're good on that. Um, 
I think that's a perfect Thank way you. to end. That's how we do it. Thank you, Leslie, for coming and joining us. Thank you very much for having uh, me, guys. We really this was super fun. Appreciated uh, you sharing with us all your stories and your knowledge and stuff. Um, if you want to, please tell us about Andy and Andy again one more time, or anything else. Plug that, your shit. Yeah, please. So Andy is A N D Y, the letter N A N D I E. Andy and Andy. YouTube and Instagram at me comment like Subscribe. let us know if we suck I don't care because it's a little crazy but check us out um, thanks for having me guys this was like really cool it's my first podcast ever so Whoa. pop my cherry thank you it's my second <laughs> uh, definitely go check Leslie and uh, Andy and Andy and stuff out guys she's a uh, super talented she's a beautiful human being um, that's why we definitely we're very excited for her to be our first guest on the 86 podcast. Right. It's very special. So We're excited for her to return. Definitely. Because then she's not, later. she'll be our first guest and our first return guest. Hey. hey. Double, double milestones. So thanks again, Leslie. Give it up for Leslie. And on that note, it's time for uh, my favorite segment. Hey. And probably Sam's favorite segment. Oh, yeah? It's time for Hot Pocket, Cold Pocket, everybody. Ooh. Hey. Uh, so Nate hates the name of this segment, but uh, basically Hot Pocket, Cold Pocket. Um, I got outvoted. It, yeah, we, we vetoed Nate's veto. Uh, so basically, if any of us have a Hot Pocket or a Cold Pocket, this one's a good experience, a bad experience, good guess, bad guess, stories all around. Um, hopefully they're somewhat humorous, <laughs> but they hopefully don't have any cold pockets that are just like, so got laid off today. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm pretty sure, I mean, we all kind of know the, the cold pocket slash little bit of hot pocket. I wasn't experience. there for any of it. So I feel like I should not be the one. Okay. To tell the story. I'll, I'll start you, Kyle and even you Sam. I wasn't there, but Sam, well, you were there, Sam but was there. so yeah. Sam, okay. So, so let, let Sam tell it then. Well, I'll, I'll I just want to okay, set it, it up. Okay. I'll set it up. So basically, uh, the place where we work that you may or may not know now, depending on if we bleep it out from Nate, <laughs> um, there's an employee there. He's been there for a long time. He's a bus expo. He's a really, really great guy, hard worker. He's good at his job, but you know, people out there, he can probably relate. I know I can. Sometimes the shit just hits the fan and you just break. Uh, and so the funny thing is, is that Sam's the only one of us that was there that night, the night in question. Uh, and he texted us, uh, me, Kyle, and, and Nate. And we were all like, what happened? And then Sam was not able to provide any <laughs> details, even though he was at the restaurant at the time this happens. But now that we all are a little bit more caught up, Sam, why don't you, why don't you walk us through what transpired? I mean, okay, so uh, we had this buzzer. And I was working. Should the we bar. give him a nickname? Uh, George. We'll call him George. Okay. Uh, this buster. Uh, I was working the bar, and uh, I was talking to a, a guest at the bar, and I just hear the door slam. Well, Leslie, you were there too. You can you can speak to this. Uh, I just heard the door like like a loud like crack. I thought the door. I thought like the hinges had busted in the door. Um, and I was talking to a guest, and I was like, "Well, that, that door's not supposed to make that noise." Uh, and I saw, uh, George walk out like kind of with, it's a glass door. So I saw him kind of leave and I thought like, Oh, is he going to get propane? Like, that's weird. Um, 
Also, it should be noted that we had we were down a buster that night because uh, one of them, one of a different server, uh, sprained his hand uh, skateboarding that day. <laughs> um, so we were already down a buster. It was a busy night, uh, and uh, and then George came back like forty seconds later, uh, and I thought every, like I still didn't think anything. I thought he was like just had to like run to a table outside or something like that. I had no idea anything was happening, um, and then. I just see him walk back out with his backpack on. I'm like, that's weird. It's, it's you know, it was the middle of the rush. I don't think he got cut. Uh, but I was like, bye, George. Uh, he didn't He didn't look back. Uh, it turns out later, uh, I sort of found out that he sort of got in an argument with one of our managers. The manager, like, egged him on too much. And he just kind of snapped through a glass into the uh, recycling because he's, he's pretty considerate. He's like, I wanted to, I talked to him later. He's like, I wanted to break something, but... I didn't want to like throw a glass, so he he got a glass and he chucked it into the recycling. What a what a it. guy! Yeah, uh, and then uh, you'll never see, he 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 said he proclaimed, hey, "I'll see you later, guys. You're never gonna see me again." Uh, walked out and then walked back in thirty seconds later to grab his backpack <laughs> and then stormed out. <laughs> uh, and then he came in the next day and yeah. worked his shift. So that's that's wanna... yeah, that's the cold pocket. But the hot pocket is he did in fact. Come yeah, in he didn't the next wanna, day for he, his he opening didn't shift. Screw over, in his words, he yeah. didn't want to screw over the people that would have to like pick up a sh- shift. But he, he did not say a word to that manager. Understand? Understandable. I uh, I have been on that brink <laughs> so many times. I think I think it's almost anybody like, listening. I think we've all been at that moment that, where yeah, yeah. you've never. Well, you're a lot more laid back than most people. I feel like anyone that is at all easily flustered or anything is. You've had moments where you're like, is is tonight the night? Is it is it happening tonight? Is this the night that I I walk out? I know you mentioned Leslie. You've walked out on the spot before, so it's like, I, yes, she says she did it. The I absolutely uh, called out one of my managers for not doing his job, and I swore at him and I left. Which is so out of character. Badass. Um, but yeah, I think the I think the real hot pocket here. Yes, he came back, but I, I think that's the real hot pocket. Is that now we get to see him a little bit. He's a good guy and I like working with him. So Me too. we get a couple more. Weeks it's also then. like a perfect description of him. It's the perfect description know. of him with the, uh, with the glass in the recycling. Yes. Like, he's, he's really not an angry person, but that job can like wind you up yeah. and that kind of like a quiet storm yeah. of him being like, I really want to break something, but like, First of all, I don't want to clean it up. Then also, like, I don't want to like. That's the thing. I don't I want say, to disturb everybody else around me. It's like, yeah, that's I, think so, for, I think for anyone, for anyone listening that's in the industry, I think you totally know what we're talking about. For anyone that's not, that just it might happen to be listening or whatever, just know that we might have a happy face when we're out on that floor with you. But shit goes on in the back. Once you turn the corner, yeah, we're there to make you happy, man, and we really like making you happy. But we also are at our job and. We know you have jobs that you don't like, so sometimes it's not always a fun and games. And Buster is a thankless job. Ooh. I will say that as yeah. well because I've real, been there. That's the real grunt work. There. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so shout out to George. Um, if and you. when he listens to this, he'll know exactly. <laughs> he'll yes. know that it's him. And, we love uh, and you. we want you to know we love you, George. Yeah, and, and we're, we're excited. We're to get on, honestly, weeks. I am actually really gonna miss working with him. He's one of my. He's one of those people where I really like him as a as a person, like yeah. outside of. Work. I like that we're talking about him like he's he's being sent (laughs) off like Frodo at the end of Lord of the Rings or something. He's dying. Um, But yeah, so that's a that's our hot pocket, cold pocket. First one ever. First hot pocket, cold pocket ever. Gotta start somewhere. Shout out to George. All right. Um, Yeah. Well, 
Before we get out of here, um, <laughs> we do have a mailbox, which I, I hope most of our listeners are aware of. Uh, you know, some sometimes our listeners send us in uh, questions, asking for advice because we, you know, we're so good at giving advice. Instagram or or Gmail. Yes, Instagram or Gmail at uh, eighty six no filter pod. Um, so. We got a letter. It says, hey, guys, we did a letter in the mail, and then I transcribed it, and I typed it, yeah. So it says, hey, guys, long-time listener, first time writing in. I need advice. Uh, Yes, I'm – yes. Okay. That's how they started Yes, I'm doing the voice. He's going to say something like, we got a letter, like we got a snail mail letter. I don't know. He's going to make fun of the voice. Long-time listener. Writing in for your first ever show. (laughs) Don't (laughs) – I just wanted to say. Look, okay, movie magic. we don't kink shame, okay? Uh, writing in, I need advice. I had a previous relationship with a coworker that has now ended, but I just found out today that this person is going to be promoted to a manager now. Uh, it didn't end very well, and I'm already uncomfortable working around them. Now it will be much harder for me to avoid them at work. What should I do? Thanks for the help, Server Sally. Quit. <laughs> well, Kyle <laughs> says quit. That would, I, I, would, I would start looking for another job. I wouldn't quit on the spot. Because you never know how long it's going to take to get that other job, but I would definitely. Uh, there's an you know hopefully wherever you are there's enough restaurant jobs to sustain you, but uh, it can really like Nate has been saying like it's definitely about uh the, this industry is about like being like working with people and not only like feeding off the energy of the people that you're serving but also the people around you. It's a lot more interpersonal than I think like going to a cubicle and sitting down and doing data entry. Um, so. If you are in a situation where like someone at work, you know, you really don't vibe with, I mean, you can talk to, hopefully, you know, he's not, if, if, if this person's not becoming your GM, um, you can talk to your GM and, and, and maybe say that you guys shouldn't, uh, have shifts together or, you know, whatever. But, uh, I, I would start looking for another job. Being a supervisor, I was told that I needed to take a sexual harassment course before I could hit the floor. And you were what? I you? learned. Hey, I just want to say that you are very good at sexual harassment. So <laughs> I, I pride <laughs> that myself. Course, that course, yeah, that you got a lot of. I pride myself on my sexual harassment. Um, so being that, if you are at a corporate business server, Sally, uh, please go to your HR department and allow this relationship to be brought to the attention of your other um, fellow managers because this is not something that should be allowed for you to feel uncomfortable in your workplace. And if you don't want to leave your job, you have options because you can definitely take that to them as he was not a manager or she was not a manager um, when your relationship happened. So there is no rule breaking and you don't need to be scared. Yeah, it wasn't inappropriate, but you should definitely declare that. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking from personal experience, uh, get a new job. (laughs) Uh, I was in a similar situation, not exactly like that, but it was not good. Uh, I, I mean, I, we already talked about how sensitive I am, but I, you know, sometimes you need to take the writing on the wall that there's time for a change. And if you're going to ship where you eat, Sometimes you have to deal with the consequences of yes. that and and go eat somewhere else. So yes, there you go. Um, <laughs> Both. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. there you go. That's our episode. Yes. Um, we want to thank everybody that actually made it this far. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you to everyone out there uh, that's listening to this. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We do it for you. 
we do it uh, for you and also for ourselves. Self care. Yeah. It's 2018, guys. Most, mostly for ourselves. I was say, mainly for us. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so again, um, thanks again to Leslie. Follow her on YouTube, oh, Instagram. I can't, you, you're gonna let me forget Cardinal Sin. We have our Cardinal Sin. I was gonna let you roll. No, uh, no, yeah. no, no. Well, I, yeah, we'll see how this bit goes. Uh, to, to this week's Cardinal Sin is uh, snapping and then kind of gesturing with your fingers when you want to get our attention. Uh, don't fucking do that. <laughs> uh, you can raise your hand. You can you know try to make eye contact and and you know I like I appreciate it when yeah. when people. Uh, let me know that my attention is required. Yes. Like I, that's my job, and I'm there to help you out. Uh, don't snap at me. Don't beckon me. Come here. Um, just don't. let me. Yeah, yeah. Just let me know that you need attention. You know, hit the hit the like fucking the light. In, no, in, hey, in an airplane. Hey. Don't do that. No, no, no. I'm saying I'm using a metaphor. Metaphorically, no, yeah. like no. I'm saying don't don't go. Hey, hey. Oh, I'm saying uh, don't. Oh, I'm oh, saying don't do that. No, 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 no. You fucking. All right. <laughs> yeah, very impressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then, uh, also if I am in the middle of something and then you're like, Hey, d- it, excuse me. And I give my attention to you, uh, please don't then go, Oh, well, if you're busy, do something else. Like you already, you already fucked up my flow. So just like get it over. Tell me what the fuck you right, want. Let's and I'll just get move it along you. now. Yeah. Um, all right. That's been our Cardinal sin for the week. Uh, to just, but just to sum it up, don't, don't snap at servers. Just don't or do it. Clap okay. Like so that. now we're done. Uh, we're <laughs> wrapping it up. Thank you for listening. If you made it all the way through, uh, this is our probably going to be our first podcast. Um, yeah. And I'm really proud of it. I think we got something great going on here. These guys are really talented. Uh, so stay tuned. We got more. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at 86 no filter pod uh, on there. You can find all of us as well. Uh, yeah, just stay tuned and we got more coming. Should be another episode uh, coming out as soon as this one's out. So. This has been the 86 No Filter Podcast with Nate Miller, Kyle Metz, Sam Wyatt, Daniel Patello, and special guest, Leslie Parent. Thanks for listening. Guys.